Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. This week, we've been talking to a lot of brilliant people at the 2022 HR Technology Conference in the beautiful Mandalay Bay Conference Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. Today, we have a very special guest, one who's been on our program for many, many times, Ian Cook from Vizier. Ian, how are you today? I am doing really well, David. Thank you. It's amazing to be back in person at a conference. Just yes. connect with people, connect with the energy, connect with the excitement, the appreciation for people. It's, I know, kind of forgotten what it was about, but I am reminded every day and it's great. And you guys made a huge splash at this conference. Big booth, lots of energy, lots of excitement. Lots of great things to talk about. So Vizier is really living large at this show. We're living large at this show. And, and I think we're going to, it's a reflection of the nature of how our piece of the, the HR technology space has, has evolved, has developed. And people are kind of realizing, you know, we remember coming to the show 10 years ago. Right. And right. Now, now we know where we right. are. And it's like people are like, yeah, this is actually an important piece of the, of the overall puzzle. Isn't it great not to have to fight for, you know, name recognition anymore and now you've already passed that and you're the 800 pound gorilla in the space we're definitely that and it's, it's i mean the other thing i think in terms of you know what's changing is is people aren't asking oh people analytics what's that i mean yes. when, you know, when we first showed up it was like so it's a what do you do and they couldn't yeah. quite understand what, either what we did or why it was important right now people are coming to this like yeah i need what you have right. tell me how we do it right right where do i begin so Ian, as always, we have to ask you, like we ask every guest, what's one fun thing that no one knows about you? There's a, a, a fun thing, and it's a fairly recent thing. So Vizier has a, a, a program where if, if an employee spent five years of the business, there's a three-week sabbatical. You, you take three weeks off intact. So wow. we recently did that in the summertime. It was the first time I've had three weeks off, and I don't even remember <laughs> how long. Uh, and I, I was just such, uh, such an appreciation of, yeah. of the time. And then we went to an island called Haida Gwaii, which is far off in the Pacific Ocean, a 10-hour boat ride to get out there. So wow. that was actually pretty special because it, yeah. it's a hard place to get to, but yeah. it was a very special place. So. so Ian, how do I join Vizier and get that three weeks? <laughs> I'm kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry.com. But, but it's really wonderful. I, I think we take it for granted that we have vacation time. I also think we take it for granted that we don't know what to do when we're granted those things. So I applaud you for actually having a destination, a thing in mind, and hopefully you were totally off the grid while you were there. It, we were very off the grid. Uh, the, you know, half of the island isn't even covered by cell phone. So, no. <laughs> the fact that you said half is, is just hysterical. <laughs> you said it's such a remote place. You know, obviously they have to sell service, you know, for emergencies, but wow. Yeah. So, as you've heard from us in the past when talking to Ian, there's an obvious topic we're going to talk to Ian about because Ian is one of the most brilliant minds in the people analytics space. You've heard him talking. You've definitely seen him publish on LinkedIn. You've seen his thought leadership. 
we love talking to Ian about people analytics. So Ian, our topics that we talk about during the show are, let's look at 2022, what we learned from 2022, what surprised us about 2022, and actually what wasn't shocking about 2022, and then what happened in 2023. So let's begin. What happened in 2022 and you know let's first start with you know what did you learn i think we learned that what we'd anticipated around the changes in the labor market and the the essential nation of people data to run your business held true it didn't recede and i think a lot of people went into 2022 okay. going oh you know it's a blip it's a bubble everybody will be back it's all going right. back to normal like right. the, i think it was a large proportion of the business community that was was just desperate for it all of the increased volatility and challenge to just go away. They were praying for it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I get it and I sympathize, but I'm, I'm kind of a realist at heart. So I think what we learned from 2022 is it's, it doesn't matter if the economy is going up or down. Fundamentally, how people work, how, who they choose to work for, where they choose to work, that is morphed to the extent where everybody is having to re-understand and reinvent how they get work done. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've ever had a part of our lives when there's really been a normal labor market. I mean, there's always business cycles, right? There's always things going on. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what a normal labor market is. There's never, again, everybody's like, well, what's the one thing that's true about the labor market? Like, one thing that's true is it's, it's made up of lots of different segments right. and those different segments behave differently. So, right. But I think in the, for the longest time, David, we, we have kind of relied on the fact that there was a lot of people yeah. and there was more people than work. Yeah. Therefore, you know, you always had that flexibility. Right. And I think it's that, that loss of flexibility that has, has caught people off guard because it's happened very fast. And it, it changes the way you need to behave to, to, to play well in the market. But as an economic demographer, I look at the bubble of people and age. We're not, and, and we've had some conversations about this yesterday, we're not at a place where we're at full replacement from a terms of births. Yeah. We're, we're actually in the U.S. constrained on immigration and bringing in workers still. Yep. And so the labor market is shrinking because people are either retiring or they're, di or they're dying or they're choosing to go into different fields that, that yep. weren't their other, their, their, you know, kind of training fields. So the labor market is shrinking, right? Right. It, it's shrinking. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is, you know, people are moving away from uncertain work. Right. Like, you know, I think airlines is an example. Yeah. Some of the kind of retail sector where right. cuts were fast and deep when COVID hit and people were like, you know, I don't want to work in a space where I can be out of work and not getting paid tomorrow at a time when it's most important. So right. I, I, it, many, as I say, many levels of challenge in terms of like, so how do I actually then fulfill my business needs? Right. What do I do to bring people to that? And it, it's not it's not the way it was. And definitely on the compensation side, what we've seen is that starting rates are going through the roof. Through the roof. Well, yeah. and, and I think that's, that's a really another important, very important dynamic is the we, we can't afford to have the number of people we used to have because the, the cost basis of our business means we can't, we can't charge our customers that and we can't right. afford to pay our people for that. So, so how do we get all the work done with the people we can afford? Very, very, very complex While set of While maintaining questions. margins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that are that are set by expectations by shareholders in the street. And yeah, I, I wish that we would hear a, I guess it's a realization from the street that maybe we should be looking at different margins now and not worrying about rule of 40 or other things. 
maybe we should be looking at just realism that we're going to be constrained for a while. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that we learned through 2022 is go that investment focus on the understanding of the investment community of the primacy of people in the business right. question. Right. You know, the longest time is like, oh, we're, let's focus on the money. The number of conversations we're having with either with investment groups or, you know, with people looking at that regulation and trying to understand it, again, has, has massively increased the amount of content being published around. There was, a, there was this article in CFO magazine about how the CFO needs to get their head around all their people data right. because they're going to be representing that. And you know, my counter to that is like, you know what, if you're in the chief people officer, you, you don't want that. You want to be hand in hand or you know, right, standing side by side yeah. with the CFO representing right. the people because the people is your piece of the business. Exactly. And maybe it should be that the CPO gets more into the CFO's data. So understanding how the dynamics of the CFO's world can not just affect, but how they can work together better. And, and again, as we, you know, we're sort of t talking about what do we learn in 2022? Where are we going for 2023? That would be one of the things that, that we would feature from, from our, our pioneering clients. They've, they've got the basics in place. Like they know their headcount daily. They, they were looking at their resignation trends and comparing them to benchmarks. Sure. And right, you know, we have clients where the CEO is explaining the resignation and its impact on the business because they're That's just great. that deep. Yeah. What they're now doing is bringing in the associated people data, like how much work is being done, how many calls answered, how many business metrics, you mean. business metrics. Yeah. And so they're starting to, to, to do what you're talking about, like stitch that business output with the people understanding, you know, sentiment, how we feel, right. compensation, what do we cost, right. situation, who do I work with, right. with, and what gets done right. and starting to be able to use that to understand things like hybrid. Right. Cause the, the, the hybrid questions often being like office, not office. It's like, <laughs> so I don't like that framing of the question. Like where's the best place to get work done? Right. Exactly. And, and so again, they're starting to use that data to answer the, where's the best place to work done and how do we use evidence to do that? Not just somebody's perception. And, and, and that is the perfect segue to the, well, it, for the for the CPO is to make sure that you're hiring people or that you yourself understand the causal versus correlative effects of your people data on the business so that we don't make asinine statements about turnover. Or we don't make asinine statements about investment and training or other things that then the CPO, the CFO or others go and look at and they go, that's not a direct or causal relationship. Why are you saying that? It's just yeah. correlative. And, and they need to have the data, as you're saying, to back it up, not just on the HR side, but on the business side. So that makes sure that there's that, that, that story there. Uh, 100%. Because and I think you're, you're, you're reminding me of something that Josh was saying yesterday in his, his opening key. We, we don't have HR or HR technology for HR. Right. It's business. It's, we have it to serve the business. And yeah. I, I think, you know, in certain instances, there's been a lot of work on the kind of the back office yeah. transactional tech yes. of HR that needed to get in the cloud. There, there's efficiencies there. But I think in 2022, we, we realized that, that tinkering there yeah. isn't actually moving us forward. And we need to, we need to rebuild that connection to what are my business unit leaders trying to actually get done in the business? What information do they need? How do, how do they want to consume it? Because Again, that would be another other examples from our clients of right. talking to, to one just yesterday. They're they're going through they call it a test and learn cycle yeah. where they find a, a 
group of stakeholders in the business. They engage them around how does people data, you know, drive decisions right. and form future right. work. Right. They provide them with a you know a data product. Right. And then they they iterate on it. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so they're you know they're they're productizing data and insights into a business leader, and they're you know co-creating it as a product. You mean, Ian, they're not just going and sending out dashboards to people and saying, here's your HR dashboard, and then just throwing it at them and asking them to just interpret it on their own? Funnily enough, David. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I think you make a perfect point. I can appreciate you raising that because we, we, we still see, and again, this is, the, this is the realization for 2023, we still people see is like, we have this dashboard, we, we kind of got it out to people, but we don't really think they're, we're not, we're not using it. Like, what do we have to do to them right. to make them use it? And it's like, well, you make make it relevant. And right. they're like, no, no, but we've published already. Yeah. We, we want them to understand why they're looking at this. It's like, well, if it's not relevant to them, right. we're all so busy. Right. So I love how you said it, you know, bring them in, make them a part of it, test it with them, talk to them about what they're seeing, what they need, what they're not getting, all that. Make them a partner in this. You're investing a ton of money, even if you're not building it on, pardon the expression, the 800-pound gorilla, the beautiful product that's Vizier, even you're just creating a set of Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoints, if you're just sending it to them, you're not achieving anything. Yeah. Bring them in. Ask them what they need from the business perspective. Tell them, this isn't HR data. This is your business this data. This is business data. This is driving your business. So how can we help you interpret and understand this stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why is that shocking to people? I don't understand. I think it's a little. I think it's a little shocking because I think a lot often, you know, it's where people start with analytics is not often where you and I would start with right. analytics. They, sure. they often start with the data. I mean, we, again, a lot of a lot of times, analytics is misunderstood or misinterpreted as a request. It's like, right. oh, it's analytics, right? I'll go get IT, right? And it, and, and you know, actually, that's not the best place to start. You mean, need IT to. You might need IT to do some of the fulfillment. You certainly, right. certainly need some software understanding to do the fulfillment, right. but. You actually need to start with the, right. what's the most important thing to answer for the business. Right. Making a business case, well, you know, understanding what your goals are and how you're measuring success or failure. Yeah. You got to start with the, why are we doing this? And yeah. What's our return on the investment? So, yeah. yeah. And, and again, looking forward to 2020. So, you know, put, stitching these threads together, the, the world of work has changed. Yeah. And I think 2022 has proven that because we've had, I know, rapid growth. We've had a recessionary fears, we've got some slows down, we've got layoffs in certain sectors, we've got growth in others, we've got lack of people in others. We have, you know, multiple moving pieces. Right. We're not going to guess our way out of any of that. No. So, you know, evidence-based, and it's, it's not looking at the data after you've done something to work out, did it work? It's using the data to understand the patterns in your business right. so that you can do the right things. Like it's actually right. evidence driving the kind of decisions and the, the awareness of the business to go forward. And, you know, as I said, our, our pioneering customers are doing that. Right, right, you know, right. 2023, our view is if people aren't working on it, then they're going to be way behind. I mean, they're already yeah. behind, but yeah. the, time, the time is moving fast forward. Yeah, 2023 is only a couple months away. So. <laughs> I know. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. Talk to me about what surprised you. Was there was there anything that kind of shocked you about 2022 that you you just look back and you go, never saw that coming? That's a good question. I certainly wouldn't have forecast a war in Ukraine. Yeah. You know, in December of 2021. Right. That was the and and 
you know the the elements that have gone with that just how that's all played out has been would never have foreseen that and that's been extremely disruptive and then technology wise i don't i i think the real again i think the realization the broad and quick realization that the kind of technology you need to focus on is giving you answers again you know hr technology is not a process and administration project it's a i think the the change in understanding and the people who are now driving that agenda, the people who are starting to, you know, engage in working on that agenda. I think that the, the rate at which that pivot has happened has, has been a bit surprising because we, we just see a lot more like, Oh, totally. This is what we need to do. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm shocked that there hadn't been more, you know, with all of the things that are going on in the world, the realization should have been, this is just my perspective, but should have been that the one place we could go to see patterns and be able to understand What's happening in our business, in our markets, but in our business, is our data and yeah. and extrapolating those insights. It's at our fingertips. It is, and it, and it's a lot more accessible than people think. So I, I I think sometimes many people let their lack of kind of exposure to yeah. how to work with data kind of just you know it, it's easy to delay because it's like well we're not quite sure if we're doing it right. Yeah, I, I actually go back to fear. Their fear of econometrics or statistics or the correlative versus the causal thing. I think they're fearful that they're going to do things and say things that are stupid because they don't understand it as well. They don't have the budget to hire people who do know it. And while the stuff might be in their current HR systems or it's a short putt and a very important one to buy something like Vizier, they just... They don't know how to build the business case because they don't know how to explain it. And therefore, they just ignore it. I can certainly see that cycle. I, you know, again, there's, there's a good body of evidence out there for people to use. And there are, well, as you know, there's just a, there's a really big group of people analysts now. I was in London, sure in London last week, last week. And you know, again, remembering back to five or six years ago, some of the very first London-based conferences, there were 30 or 40 people sure. in a hotel room. Yeah. We had 200 people and all of them were working as analysts. Yeah. So many of them come from across Europe. So just that growth in practitioners, the understanding, the sure. scale is, is but, there. Okay. But I know that's a big growth, right? But consider the number of corporations in London, much less Europe. Oh, for sure. I would hope that in 2022, and this is my hope for 2023, that we'd be talking about 2,000 people or 3,000 people because the world of work is more about measuring and understanding yourself and your market around you. And we've been in comp, we've been doing this for decades. Well, yeah. How could we not, I mean, I'm sorry, maybe this sounds incredulous or maybe we're just talking about the same thing again, but I, I just don't understand how it's not been bigger. And I, mean, I think just putting the question back to yourself, like, I, I would assume that you've seen a high demand for the data that you guys produce because sure. the rate at, I mean the rate at which salaries are changing is yeah <laughs> yeah it is but there is a lot of demand for the data there's a lot but compensation has always been an analytical de- department yeah and there's compensation people in every single company most yeah especially large size and large companies. Yeah. There are comp people because it takes certain analytic capabilities in order to be able to do that. Not well, I'm not talking about like large ones, but no. but some. And if 
they, if we could use compensation as an example where you're using statistics about your company in the market to be able to tell business stories, we've been doing that for decades. That's a great way to frame it because I think that, again, starts to reduce people's apprehension of the work. It's like, this isn't anything new. We've been doing it with compensation yep. data. We're just extending it to a broader data set. So okay. maybe, maybe some encouragement for people to yeah. jump in. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. But my hope for the, the future is that that becomes just a normal part of everyone's job, not just one or two people that are sitting in our department. Well, and again, you know, I'm reading, reading the signs and they're always, they're always small and they never move fast enough. But there was a Forbes article. Was it Forbes? I believe it was a Forbes article recently, which specifically called out that ability to use data as now an essential component to be a CHRO. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. I mean, you and I know this, yeah. but, it, but it, it's significant when it starts to be mainstream media and it's the kind of media that a CEO reads and kind of goes, oh, I'm going to go and check with my chief people officer. Like, how is your data sophistication? And, I, and I, again, when, they, when those things start to happen, that starts to, for me, it really starts to snowball the change because it's not just, oh, I can keep it quiet because nobody's watching. It's actually, you know, the expectation from the business is there of people are doing this with people data. Like, could I have that? I agree. And, and I have several examples in my mind, like Mark Berry at Indiana Packers or Zoe Schweitzer from Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream or Cindy Foxworth from ADT SunPro Solar. These are people who are conversant in the language of people analytics. And, you know, whether it's we're talking about competition analytics or we're talking about deeper people analytics, yeah, they get it. And they're what I like to use as examples of people who should be on that front end and leading edge. And not only for themselves, but also understand the importance of their staff and the community, not just HR, but the business but community the business is appreciating community. those things. Yeah, no, totally. And, and again, I think that would be one of our forecasts for 2023, we've had early adopter set. They've been pushing the information out to their people management teams for a long time. You know, three, four, sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands people managers getting, getting information through Vizier. We would see that pathway continuing to grow where it's not the sort of leading 20% of our client set. It's, you know, 50, 60% of our client set that are actually starting to roll out to the business and building the transparency, building the trust, building the understanding. You don't, you don't, can't build it and then give them the data. You only build it by, you know, working through the data and with people on the data. So I think that's another, another direction for 23. But, but going back to your early example, the key is not just sending it to them, but bringing them into the process and the adoption components that are required are change management, and hand-holding, and even a support desk, potentially, yep. of, hey, I see this. I don't understand it. Can you help me interpret it? Because yep. the way you described it when we were going through training isn't exactly what I would expect to see in these numbers. Yeah. And then that conversation brings the understanding and appreciation for either flaws in the data that underlie it or the misinterpretation, and therefore, education and knowledge. Yes, absolutely. You know, going back into the what holds people back, I think a lot of people like they 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 fear the misinterpretation, and I think again there will be pull from the business. There'll be recognition of like not having information about these people patterns or certain aspects of my people is hurting the decisions I'm able to make. We can no longer afford to operate with that gap. Like I think the yeah. because of the labor market we're in, because of the change in the way that work is being done. I think business leaders are 
feel it. They don't necessarily know how the gap is closed, but they're feeling that gap. Absolutely. And, and for me, that's always going to generate whole for investment, for you know, accountability to do the work, for understanding. And then the case studies are all there. You know, you, you put these two things together. It's like business leaders with that sense of, you know, there should be something here. I don't quite know what it is, but I wish I had it. And then they start to see case examples like, oh, that's how it's done at Lego. Oh, that's yeah. how it's done at, right. like, why are we not doing that? Right. Well, and I think one of the other, you know, to come back around full circle on this a little bit, one of the other reasons why I think there might be some apprehension is too much data starts to build the din and the noise around the manager. Absolutely. And we wouldn't be advocates for huge amounts of data. We would, to your point, we'd be advocates for the right data to the right person exactly. at the right time. Right, right, right. And again, that's, you know, that's some of the technology developments that we're doing. So, you know, it's beyond the, here is your dashboard. If you click here and click here and click here, you'll find the piece that is right. about your team. Right. Oh, and if you want to slice below that, like, you know, good luck, we'll, we'll put you in the queue to try and make that slice. Like the, the technology is way beyond that where the, the Vizier platform will understand who is your report line. It will detect a change in a somebody's score, be it right. an increasing risk of exit or a, you know, some other event. It will then push an email Infor information that you want the manager to look at yeah. to that person. Like you may know about this, but if you didn't, here's something you might want to think about. And that's that real precise insight to the hands of the decision maker formulated in a way that's meaningful for them. Not just, Oh, here's a chart. Yes. We hope you like it. Right. Well, I, I think there are two ways of approaching that one way, which I think you're going with this and, and correct me if I'm wrong is you're notifying them. You're pushing the information to them yep. either through an email or through a text alert or through a notification on your iPhone and then click here and dive in and see what's there. There's another one, which I've been listening to a lot from companies that are at the HR technology show today. And again, this is kind of somewhat prognosticating of, of where we're going in the future, but wouldn't it be awesome as well is, is that the notification is, the chatbot and the chatbot says to you, Ian, I've seen a pattern in data that lead me to believe there's some interesting things happening with your staff. Do you want to learn more? Yes, that, that sounds good. What's going on? Well, I've seen that there's been a pattern of resignations in a certain group that you, that you work with, some of which are translating to resignations on your team. Yeah. And then starting to peel back the layer, but not, force them into looking at a dashboard, which people can't, can interpret incorrectly, but talking in their language, yep. talking to them as a human yep. and being able to provide them with just enough data to either entice them into it or to them go, yeah, I know about that. It's okay. You know, yep. not a notification that's useful to me. So the AI then learns and says, okay, that didn't work. What do I do next time? Yep. I think that's is that, a, is that coming? I think it's a, I think it's a vision of the future. I think organizations need to get a, get more comfortable with what goes to the manager first because I don't think we've actually got the feedback loop for the AI that the AI would need to then generate its model for generating out the answers. I, I think you would end up with a, a high number of, of false positives. So I think the chat would be, would be quickly annoying. And you only get one chance to try it. <laughs> well, yeah, you could definitely say that. But... but, but and we've seen other applications fail by being too annoying. But the thing that bothers me about notifications are notifications become noise and get ignored over time. 
Exactly. So which, which is which is where you know you're you make an important point. If people are to follow that path, then they, there needs to be a feedback loop, which is like a thumbs up. Exactly. This information, right. thumbs down. This information. Don't notify me on this again. Like you have to, you actually have to right. build a, a, a substantial amount of infrastructure yes. before that notification cycle becomes in the control of the person being notified. Right. I, you know, any any app that notifies me without giving me control, I will delete. It's just right. not living on my phone. Right. Well, the word stop is the next. <laughs> you know, when you get a text message and you go, I don't want this anymore. Stop. Not really useful for the AI because it doesn't learn, but what it does do is it signals that this this is not a consumer for us. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, as I said before, my hope is is that we become more conversational around the data so yeah, we can so the AI can parse the natural language of the question that the, the manager is really asking. Yeah, and, and I mean that is a piece of work that Vizier's done. I mean we're not we're not full conversational like, you know, I'd like to tell you something about your team, blah blah blah. Right. But we, as you know, when a chart goes up, it comes with a text that describes what's being seen. You know, we are showing you this because X rate has increased twice as much as it did in the last 12 months and, and in text. So right. people don't have to look at it and go like, right. why is this important? Right. The ability for us to, to ask though, simple questions, like really simple questions, like, and maybe simple is in my mind, different simple in everybody else's mind, but what what are problem areas in my group? You know, who should I worry about leaving? Again, going back to turnover probability. Things yeah. like that. Um, but but that's what I mean about like a chatbot, like conversational yeah. conversations that the NLP learns. This might be metrics that we might want to either add or add to the for this person. Yeah, and again, I, I think that's a I think that is a vision of where we will be. I don't think that's 2023, just no, no, given no. the kind of yeah. current state of practice. But I, I, yes, we are totally moving towards that. You know, if you've walked the floor, and I'm not talking to Ian, because Ian definitely walked the floor <laughs> here at HR Tech. But if you walk the floor at HR Technology, you can't go at least one step or an aisle without seeing an AI or a chatbot or something. And it's fascinating, all the different applications that they're putting forth for HR. And I was speaking to a company yesterday that's using conversational. Uh, what they're basically doing is they're, they're taking all data about all the people in an organization with all of the structured and unstructured data. So it's, it's, it's not people analytics. It's, no, it's, ask, it's basically just answering stupid questions to take yeah. administrivia off of HR. Yes. And I love that. Yeah, it doesn't go to the next step, which is what I, we were talking about. Like, <laughs> For sure. Where, where are the areas of concern in my organization? But it's a, hey, what's my balance on PTO? Yeah. And when do I need to take it by? Yeah. Or, and, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I think that's, a, again, a great application of sort of modern technologies and the AI approach. And I think it is that response to the labor market. I, I, I can't forward and I don't need and potentially somebody doesn't want to sit at the end of a, a phone line and answer PTO no, questions all day. No. So let's automate that work. Right. It is a known problem with a known outcome with a right. data store we can hit. Exactly. It is a perfect thing to automate. Right. Right. Then getting people to out of the administrative as you were talking about before and getting to the more strategic stuff. Absolutely. Hey, are you listening to this and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I could talk to David about this. Well, you're in luck. We have a special offer for listeners of the HR Data Labs podcast, a free half hour call with me about any of the topics we cover, 
on the podcast, or whatever is on your mind. Go to salary.com forward slash HRDL consulting to schedule your free 30 minute call today. Let me ask you if you had any other 2023 predictions, because I took us off the rails and started talking about AI. So I apologize. <laughs> no. for that, but. Well, I, I think, I think, I think we've kind of gone through the AI hype back to AI reality, uh, yeah, yeah. back hype to cycle. AI reality. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think AI is here to stay. We certainly see it as here to stay. We, we use elements of it in our technology and we're really clear that it has to be done ethically and it has to be done with validation and transparency. But I, you know, I think some people thought AI was going to solve everything. Other people thought AI was going to go away and we're kind of now in that happy middle. So I think there's a maturity you know, there. Other things for 23, I, I think people will, will continue to work on solving the, the hybrid system. I saw a really nice piece by Dell. They kind of explained how they run hybrid and they've been doing it for a long time. But through the explanation, it became really clear, like hybrid isn't a policy. No. It's a practice and it's a series of practices and it's, a, yeah. it's an operating system. So, you know, yes. I think hybrid is here to stay a given it, depending on you know people's opportunity to do that but i think organizations will run some form of hybrid in some aspects of their business and that 2023 we will have to learn how to do it well yeah. it, it won't be oh let's not let's wait and see let's get everybody back oh well we can we can't it'll be like no we are operating yes. in a, a hybrid makeup of work and i think that's great because it for, again i'm a, a big fan of you no know, talent mobility like you know Job descriptions may just disappear and actually become like, what's your task no. set for the week? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but you're right on that. It, the task set then gets to skills and skills have a description to it. Though. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you, you, you never get away from like, here's your, here's yeah. your focus and you know, here's right. your intent in the business. Right. But instead of it being this very static job rigid, description yeah. with rigid, with rigid boundaries, which, which, Again, anybody you ask is like, how, how much of your job description do you actually do? Yeah. <laughs> it's usually maybe 20%. Well, that's because they're not recent. That's why. Nobody yeah. keeps them recent, which it's, is very traumatic. It, yeah. So I, I think that whole the movement to hybrid will increase the movement to task sets, right. will increase the fluidity of what you're working on, which okay. should help people build skills, help people build teams, and, and actually get you know, great performance out of a business and keep it in, interesting for people. So if you look at how kids are making decisions today about school and college university versus trade schools or certifications or taking time off or going into the workforce we're starting to see shifts away from the i have to go get a four-year degree or yeah. i think that's been building but and now they're making more informed decisions because the work is changing yeah because the nature of work is changing don't you see another opportunity there, or maybe potentially it's a prediction not for 23, but maybe for 25 and beyond, that the colleges and universities are going to have to change and shift to the new world of work, where just getting an MBA or just getting a, a BS in something isn't going to be good enough anymore. No, totally. I, I think that's going to be one of the significant shifts for sure, is that you learn as you work, as opposed to, you know, go do school, find work, and then learn. So I, I, can, I can see, that again, you know, younger, younger generation, their heads well switched on. That there's, there's a substantive difference. Four more years working gives you four more years of income, gives you the capacity to then start building the and life no you debt, want. by the way. And no debt, which I think is a big, I think, again, people have understood that cycle of like, that anchor at the beginning of your career is, it's a, 
it's a thing. Well, it's a huge political issue right now as well, right? Yeah. With the debt relief that that is working through the U.S., but it, it's it's fascinating, scary all at the same time that all these older institutions are blowing up, and yep. probably should be. Yep, because the world has evolved. It's not the same way it was in 1940 or 50 or even the earlier 1865 in the U.S. was the explosion of, of land-grant institutions, right? right? And it's not the same country. The, no. Not the same world. Exactly. So, yeah, 2023, the, we, we had the shock. We kind of had the, the in 2021, you know, still the, the pause. And now 22, we're working out which way it's going. And 23, we're just going to be running hard in the future direction and making it up as we go along. Cause I don't think there's an answer. It's more a case of we got to use the data, understand what works, understand how that's affecting the business and affecting the people and find that balance point and just keep iterating on that. What's fascinating right now is that economists are looking at each other saying, I've never seen growth in jobs, low unemployment, high inflation, some recessionary pressures, but not a lot. What the hell's going on? It's, they've never seen anything like this in the business cycle. Nope. All the models are broken. Yeah. So um, that just means we've got to start learning our way into a different way of operating. Yep. So again, that's 2023. Yeah. Ian, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, likewise, David. It's a great conversation. I appreciate being able to dig into these questions. It's super fun. It is. Thank you very much. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.